Shut Up and Drive. Welcome to the inaugural podcast of Shut Up and Drive. Thanks very much, Kevin. It's uh, obviously good to join you over a one microphone, budgets being what they are. But uh, we have a lot to discuss, quite frankly. Yeah, this is great timing to kick off. Volume one, number one. It uh, is the conclusion of the Frankfurt Auto Show. Mm -hmm. Uh, Neither of us attended, but both of us were paying close attention. Obviously, yep. Yeah. Especially having to, had worked for a German manufacturer before, I always like to see what they're bringing to the show. Have you been jailed? Jailed? Yes. Uh, oh, they, as of in today's news. Um, no, but those are some of my former bosses' bosses' bosses. No kidding. No. Yeah. yeah, the the news uh, just keeps coming, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but back back to Frankfurt. Uh, this historically has been one of those iconic European shows. Alternates mm-hmm. annually with Paris. So. They basically, the German industry can pull out all the guns every two years and showing what they have at Frankfurt. They sure do. I mean, when I was there that one time, I was, all the hype I'd heard prior to going was played out. I mean, mm-hmm. they build a city in Frankfurt. Right, right. Every manufacturer has their own town. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah, crazy. Compared to you know, shows in the U.S. And yet some of the criticism of this year's is that not as many manufacturers showed up. And subsequently, not as many people showed up to see what the manufacturers have brought. And finally, you had the Greens protesting the very existence of internal combustion, and we're doing uh, at least a small part in kind of disrupting the flow of spectators, were they not? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Well, you know, they have a lot of messaging about how they're going to be greener and not make internal combustion engines. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which is true of essentially all of Europe, as, as I understand. But what there was there was interesting, and uh, the fact that there's been some controversy doesn't diminish what manufacturers did bring that showed up. Uh, is it safe to say the potentially biggest news was the Land Rover Defender in terms of debuts, or at least most anticipated? I mean, from news my in Frankfurt? anticipated and my perspective on you know how it played out, especially over here, both inside the industry and consumer news, that mm-hmm. certainly got a lot, a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. Your impressions? Um, I'm not totally blown away by Defender. I mean, it's a very nice updated design. Right. I mean, I usually come at things from the design aspect, so it. it's yeah. um, it's it's solid. It'll be interesting. You know, everyone wants Rover of some sort, so mm-hmm. that appeal is there. We'll you know we'll see where the price points are. Right. Well, the price points, as I understand, are pretty elevated relative. If you were thinking that this would be an equally agrarian-oriented successor to the 1948 Land Rover. Mm. Um, obviously, you'd be disappointed because it isn't. It comes much closer to being an LR4 yeah. or Discovery. That's what it does. reminded me of, yeah, right, for sure. Right. And, uh, and, and so it's obviously a- far more genteel, still plenty capable in off-roading environments, uh, but, uh, but far more emphasis on comfort. And, what was uh, odd about it is, I mean, you were talking about so the focus of the show is somewhat maybe responding to the greens in mm-hmm. Europe and things. So where does that play? It, mm-hmm. it doesn't. doesn't. So right, right, right. it's a little bit odd that they're not responding to what you know, the direction they're going with the biggest news of the show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like um, another thing that happened I, that caught my eye, maybe from my own personal history, was the uh, during the media days was the new Volkswagen brand logo. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what? Who? Is this is like just the industry talking to itself? Right. There's no consumer news in that, especially for 
U.S. consumers. Right. You know, that there's a new logo. They don't even know what the existing logo is. Mm -hmm. But yet, that was like the whole first day of a couple days of the media before launching of, you know, what was getting press or what was being reported. So, and, and the manufacturer spends tons of money putting that story out. Yes. yes. So why are they putting a story out just for their own industry? You, you kind of wish they had just kept that on the extended market. Or just announce it somewhere else, you know, in some marketing form. Right, right, right. Why is it at an auto show? Mm-hmm. That's, you don't go to the auto show because they say there's a new auto show. Right, right, right. I, I won't buy that ticket. Yeah. <laughs> or so, and I guess it sounds like consumers didn't buy tickets. Right, right. And uh, nor, nor will I subscribe to that publication that puts that on the front cover. There was, though, beyond the Defender, uh, I'm assuming the uh, Porsche. And how the hell did we pronounce it, Kevin? Takon? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> how do you argue? pronounce it? You're the one that has some Texas roots. How would they call it in Texas? I think they'd call it Porsche <laughs> in Texas. Uh, what was your take on it? Big news with uh, Porsche's electrification. I mean, they they sh- they had been showing it prior to the show, mm-hmm. you know, for media and stuff. So. Yeah, wasn't it based on the Mission E concept of mm-hmm. maybe four or five years yeah, ago? Yeah, that that yeah. Um, direction they had previewed as a concept definitely right. carried through. Right, which so is nice. That was, it, it's the, amazing. Yeah. You know, right. It's definitely futuristic looking. And should have some good. I saw it being described as just a titch shorter than a Panamera, which mm. suggests it's still got a pretty good size footprint. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the Porsche executives, and I, I should have written down which one, but noted that it represented Porsche's link to its heritage and taking that into the future. Now, I don't understand how you take the take on and link it to a 356 built mm. in 1950 using largely Volkswagen. To my way of thinking, it doesn't speak to any of Porsche's heritage, except that it's got a logo that presumably hasn't been redesigned. But uh, it it certainly speaks to the future of Porsche, given the mandates to create a zero-emission environment in the not-too-distant future. Well, the hubbub seemed to really be about it versus Tesla, Mm -hmm. and how that positions Porsche versus Tesla, how it's twice as expensive as a Tesla. Without benefit, and, and... I'm fortunate enough to be a an old a, an owner of an older Porsche, without benefit of a flat six in a Porsche. How is it that you can differentiate what Porsche builds with Tesla's? It's a very provocative question. Seriously, I, can we get provocative in the first episode? I think so. <laughs> I don't know. It, uh, it, it how will me. how will any electric car be differentiated other than by charging time and you know there yeah. will be some speed issues but to my way of thinking it, it's going to be like use go- of electricity but that's a whole nother it's, metric as right. they would say it's going to be like going to Lowe's looking in their appliance department and comparing refrigerators you know you like this refrigerator because it's got the water dispenser you like this latest refrigerator because you can link it up with your iPhone and mm. read emails mm-hmm. on the front door mm-hmm. but the the actual character of the car i understand they can engineer steering feel braking feel ultimate handling zero to 60 on the Taycan is roughly three seconds for the turbo and turbo s models which is astoundingly fast i would argue in that particular category how often you need to get to 60 in three seconds but regardless that's stupendously fast 
for that sort of automobile. But then the window stickers that are suggested for the Turbo and Turbo S also speak to a uh, rarefied price. Well, how are they even distinguishing? You mentioned turbo, and that was certainly some of the controversy. What, 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 yeah. what are they calling a turbo and well, not a turbo? Well, they're, they're calling the performance editions turbo and turbo S, depending mm. upon how much performance you want, and then reserving the, the typical take-on not moniker without embellishment are, they, are, are going to apply to the lower spec models with less performance, potentially less luxury. And what, and are, what are they defining performance as? Zero to 60 in about three seconds. That's it. So not yes. amount of range or no. amount of I don't, speed of charge or... Yeah, I, I don't believe so, yeah. at least in what I've seen. Yeah. It's specifically the performance Purely parameters. Perfor- performance right, right. being and, the speed. And you got to assume if they're competitive with Tesla or profess to be Tesla, Teslas are very, very quick cars, regardless of guns. Uh, in the Tesla lineup, as I understand it, you're paying to a certain extent for your increased range as you go up. Exactly. The exactly. Point. Their performance is range. Right. And, and I haven't seen. And they have other performance modes and things. And you can right. download the, does Tesla call it again, their um, crazy mode or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, something. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get back to you in episode two. But anyway, compelling product, compelling footprint. But I'm um, I'm not seeing the link to the Porsche heritage that uh, Porsche professes to be building. Hmm. What would James Dean do behind the wheel? Or could you picture it even with the benefit of Photoshop? That can still be driven off of a road of some sort. And into a tree. Have uh, anything else there at Frankfurt? I uh, noted that the 4 Series, BMW showed a uh, 4 Series concept, which obviously is intended to be fairly close to production of uh-huh. the new 4 Series in their line. Yeah. And they showed it with this, what I, I would term a god-awful grill. I mean, it takes the twin kidneys, and I'm not sure at what point, you know, a kidney needs to be expanded or what happens when it does. <laughs> But this looks like medical malpractice with respect to the styling <laughs> execution. So anyway, I, I, I hope the BMW restrains it, brings it back in. They were we, super extended. Ver- I mean, it covers right? the front. Yeah. Face. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. They, they seem to think that uh, with Lexus having done the twin spindle mm-hmm. grill, mm-hmm. it's been, at least from my perspective, uh, a mistake visually and controversial among consumers. They're still selling a load of them. But remains controversial. Apparently BMW felt like they needed to make a greater styling statement. More aggressive. Yeah, exactly. And I wish they would. To my way of thinking, aggression in a BMW should be under the hood, not in front of them. Interesting way to say it. In um, contrast, Honda debuted their new electric city car, simply called the Honda E. Oh, the Honda E, yeah. That's been at some other shows prior, Mm -hmm. I think, or in Japan at least. Yeah, so this would have been maybe the first viewing of it yeah, in yeah. Europe, but uh, seems to make eminently good sense for the city dweller. Oh, totally. Fun, simple. It's right. all, you know, we used to joke about making Beatles as, you know, it's the people's car mm-hmm. and making an electric people's car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this, this Honda E certainly seems like something. Right, right. Just like, yeah. You know, and that's back, the, that's more like back to Honda's heritage of the people's car and Civic. It's sure. a little boot and you just... Well, throw yeah, it around, throw it around town. Yeah, if you remember the original Honda 600, yep. which I think in Japan was maybe started out as a 360, mm-hmm. using a twin-cylinder motorcycle-based power plant, air-cooled, 
and uh, it evolved into the 600 for the U.S. Yeah, that was essential motoring in yeah. the same way that most accessible. As I've read it, though, the Honda E's price point doesn't appear to be that accessible uh, based, again, on the bogeys of relatively low volume and high cost of batteries. Right. And, and, and Honda certainly doesn't have as much of their own independent kind of battery development stuff going on. Right. right. So work with GM for hydrogen power uh, plants. What they're doing for batteries, uh, we haven't really done much of a dedication of the clarity range and mm -hmm. extension of hybrids and plug-in. Mm -hmm. um, it was interesting. I saw the head design guy from uh, Fiat Chrysler, Ralph Gio, comment on the Honda mm -hmm. when he's over there. He said it reminded him, it's for some reason, of the Renegade, mm -hmm. which is a small SUV. And I'm like, well, definitely doesn't remind me of an SUV. It does have circular headlights, but it's an interesting comment. I don't know what he was trying to pull out of that comparison, but maybe uh, it reminded Ralph of one of the early render Renegade renderings. Renegade renderings. Oh, maybe, maybe, I mean, you know, it was probably. I guess it's a compliment to Honda that before they threw the all the stuff on it that the production ultimately <laughs> got. So sure. Ralph, Ralph is a very discerning guy. So you oh wouldn't want to, yeah. you wouldn't want to minimize his opinion. No, no. But by the same standpoint, yeah. I, I well, it was interesting to note that he was commenting. On it. Mm -hmm. That's what mm -hmm. really was standing out. Right, right. So, and maybe, Ralph, Ralph is not there to sell right well, I'd like to see what Ralph would do for an Yeah, yeah. Because we haven't. No. Yeah. No. Get back to us, Ralph. <laughs> uh, finally, while speaking to Mini, speaking to Electrics, Mini made, I think, what was the global debut of its was electric Was it the SE, SE, the Mini SE? Right. Yeah, what do you think of it? Uh, Interesting take on the performance because they're emphasizing performance relative to range. And frankly, as I sit here, I'm not remembering what the range is, but it ain't 250 miles. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking it's more like 150. But they want to create an urban EV that has the same point and shoot capability of the, the mini model lineup as a whole. Uh, in other words, an emphasis on fun to drive. And uh, stylistically, they didn't screw it up. The, the mods to it are minimal in the same way that a Kona EV from Hyundai, mm -hmm. its mods are minimal relative to the Kona subcompact itself. So uh, you'll know that it's an electric based on those modifications, but it won't slap you in the face. I mean, here you describe it as, you know, a city car with performance or something. I mean, we're, we're already at that point. So sure introducing are. something like that, they're a little, little late. No one's going to want that range. Probably. I mean, yeah. You know, there's other vehicles that get that range that city cars just built for some reason. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm, I, sure. I, I'm not sure the Mini brand is going to carry it to that. I was going to say, I wouldn't want to describe what the Mini brand is going through right now as its last gasp, but it is kind of troubling when you look at the, the small car, the number of small cars available in this market shrinking mm -hmm. almost daily. Mm -hmm. Fiat 500 is apparently yeah. gone. Uh, smart is gone. Not mm -hmm. that it was ever here, but in the short period that it was sitting mm -hmm. on showrooms somewhere, it's now no longer seen on showrooms. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and, and obviously, we can discuss in future episodes the number of domestics who have essentially given up on cars. Right. Right, right. So, uh, yeah, what a Mini Electric will do for the Mini brand will be real interesting. To the other thing, you mentioned it a little bit when we started talking about Frankfurt, Dave, was about, you know, the actual show attendance mm -hmm. is down and and that's definitely a problem on the U.S. side, too. Right. 
less consumers attending shows and so many shows to go to. I don't know. Did, did Frankfurt, did anybody talk about what they're going to do with theater shows? There? Some, some speculation, and I think right now it is just speculation that they might actually move it to another city. Uh, Berlin's been mentioned. And huh. I'm, not, I'm not sure if you've got a problem with the auto show format or something is ingrained in the appeal right now of auto shows. But, uh, but that said, I don't know that changing the venue, the city, is going to necessarily shape things up. Unless you've got Berliners just fine for a major auto show in their particular city. Yeah. I, don't, I mean, I don't know if from the consumer perspective, well, you know, more consumers from around Europe would go to Berlin versus go to Frankfurt. I don't, I don't think yeah. that makes any difference. I don't either. But we can see it domestically in what happens to Detroit as Detroit, the North American International Auto Show changes from a January venue mm-hmm. where you have the opportunity to please your butt off to a uh, June venue mm-hmm. uh, in which they can open it up, bring some of it outside, and as I understand it, do some things on Belle Isle mm-hmm. that uh, you wouldn't be doing in January. I mean, that's, you know, marketing speak is all about experiential. So right, right. how do you make it an experience for someone to experience and have the memories of experiencing right. versus just walking the show and seeing the product I, like that that used to be enough or was enough but not for the new gen for somebody in market there's no better way of shopping for a car than and, and i'll say that until my dying day oh so yeah if you want it's like tires, having it's like your dealer has every single product available right. exactly so exactly and go you can touch sit, and feel it. you can sit in them as long as you want yep. if you've got a question there are professional people to assist with that question but no one's going to try and sell you anything because mm-hmm. they're not there to sell you they want to get you back into a show, but that isn't the show. So an auto show, to my way of thinking, has an absolute great benefit if you're in market even in the next year or year and a half. Or obviously, like ourselves, you're an enthusiast of automobiles. And uh, damn it, there's still a lot to be enthusiastic about with respect to the auto industry. But don't you think, I mean, maybe they should just have the show even less frequently. Less shows in general. I think they should have like, like in the U.S. I mean, in the U.S., there's shows... Literally after the Los Angeles show, which is you know, there's Detroit, then Los Angeles, New York, kind of, mm-hmm. and Chicago. Im- immediately before it is there's a show in Orange County, California. Right, right. So what is that doing? You know, I think it's a different association of dealers, perhaps that's behind it, and they want to oh, show absolutely. product. But there's a bit of like just too many shows. You can't all have a drive event going on at your show, and then it becomes it's just all so common. Right. Like right. There's no experience. If Charger fans can go to L.A. to watch a football game, (laughs) to my way of thinking, Orange County auto enthusiasts or Orange County automotive consumers can carve out a day to go see the Los Angeles auto show as opposed to having the Orange County auto show. Business-wise, it's an efficiency thing. There's so much money spent there by dealers and as prices of cars go, I mean, why are they still spending this money if it's just, again, talking to themselves? Absolutely. It's nothing helping consumers decide what to get. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, I I just can't imagine the resources that go into a secondary show, whether it's Orange County in Southern California, Fort Worth in North Texas, um, or any number of places. You you probably have a Toledo show. don't know that for a fact, but I'm guessing you do. Um, The Chicago Auto Show, to my way of thinking, ought to take care of any auto show within a 150-mile radius because it is the Chicago Auto mm-hmm. Show. 
and it's worth getting there. It has, that has the most consumer attendance of yeah. all the shows in yeah. the US. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they must not be losing money yet. I mean, the shows haven't shut down. I mean, some of the shows are owned by big media companies. Like uh, the Enthusiast Network owns, tw- runs 20 shows, owns right. 20 shows, and the, you know, the other shows. Right. You know, Baltimore and uh, someone down in Texas. Mm-hmm. And, Mm-hmm. but they're still running them. Right, right. So they must not be losing money. Yet. And dealers are still making money on them because dealers, frankly, I think, could care less how many people walk through the door. They just want to sell the space. Mm-hmm. And as long as OEMs are buying that space, they're satisfied with the, the format. Mm-hmm. So my way of thinking, there are an entirely too many car dealer groups running auto shows uh-huh. and doing it in the same way that their fathers did it. So, Dave, as we were just kind of wrapping up talking about Frankfurt and talking about how there should be different kinds of experiences, I think the next big event going on on the U.S. side is the State Fair of Texas. It would be. That's right, Kevin. And, and they, they have a big auto presence there because the State Fair of Texas is like this. Well, they've got the a, fair of the United States, that kind of. They've got an automobile building, yeah. which is a, a piece of art deco architecture that is, is frankly, at least within Texas. Fairly iconic. I'd go just to see that. Exactly. It's, it's, I don't know how many millions of dollars have been thrown at the State Fair of Texas Park grounds to refurbish what was built in 1936 for Texas's centennial and designed to last maybe a few years. Well, here oh. we are. Here we are, 85 years later, and uh, everything is still standing, but held together, I think, to a certain extent by deck. But they have this automobile built. Uh, they have a three week event in which not every one of the three million people attending the state fair is going to go because of the auto show, but in a great many instances, the majority of instances, a huge percentage of those three million attendees at the fair are going to go through some aspect of the automobile building or the outside adjacent truck displays. It really is a truck show. They've got the three domestic OEMs, GM, Ford, and Chrysler, with what ostensibly are cars mm-hmm. in the automobile building. Mm-hmm. But then they've got these big tents, kind of like Frankfurt builds at the Frankfurt show, for the individual truck exhibitors, the Chevrolets, the Fords, the GMCs, the Rams, as well as Nissan and Toyota. Toyota makes kind of a big deal of the state fair because having relocated to North Texas a couple of years ago for their U.S. headquarters, it is ostensibly their yeah. home show. Yeah. Uh, and while they're selling plenty of Tacomas built in San Antonio, they've had a, a harder climb selling a lot of their uh, Tundras. Into the most loyal segment of yeah. the entire yes. marketplace. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Ford sells uh, Ford sells 100,000 plus F-Series a year in Texas. Wow. I mean, you, Ford has a business model that for all intents and purposes could, could succeed just on Texas sales. Oh, and well, then they sell yeah, another that's sale. why Texas can... Succeed somebody right. if it ever wants to. Yeah, that's a whole other episode. Yes, yeah. that's another political. But uh, but in terms of trucks, there is the occasional debut. I think this year Ram is showing off their uh, Eco Diesel in mm-hmm. twenty twenty. Yep. Uh, it won't be the first showing for the Ford Explorer, which to be sure is a, a sport utility and not a truck. But it's big news within that market segment. I, I find the Explorer. Oh, it's the segment leader. Sure. Right, I mean, exactly. it defined the three row right, midsize right. SUV. That's what, no matter who develops a new three row SUV, the main competitor in the bullseye is the exactly. Explorer. So right. General, General Motors is bringing that inline six 
diesel that they uh, are debuting in the Silverado. I don't know that the Silverado is taking off to the extent that they wanted it to with its redesign, but I think a three liter inline six diesel is a, a pretty special install. Is it mainly just for, for work and things like that? No, for a utility I, factor of I, the diesel? I, or? I think it's going to be, well, it's range, it's yeah. torque, it's huh. pulling capability. That's and, really surprising. Uh, I thought diesel was, diesel was like... And in cars. And in cars, it, I think probably yeah. is. But uh, in the light-duty pickup segment, obviously it's always been a component of heavy-duty. But yeah, in light-duties, it seems to be making a comeback. Hmm. And uh, I don't need to tell you, mid-sized trucks... Well, I don't know that there are any debuts at the state fair in the mid-size category. That is a category that's really no, but there's certainly a lot of action there, and you know it's it's been definitely come back after the last decade, and, right? Right. You know, with I mean the most recent recent thing with everyone having finally a Jeep truck mm -hmm. with the Gladiator, so right. you know, that's certainly been talked about a lot mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. prior to the Texas show. So. This issue of Rome Trap. You've driven a Gladiator, right? Briefly. Yeah. I've not had one for the quote-unquote week yeah. in which loans are made to the press. Yeah. But I, I have had half an hour, something yeah. like that. I drove one for, for a few hours for right. a day. Yeah, and uh, so. nice, nice package. You know, mm -hmm. at, at launch, they a lot of them seem to be Rubicons priced at $60,000 plus. Yeah. It spans the whole range. Which I find utterly insane. But they started about 35. 35. I mean, they're the most expensive midsize in terms of mm -hmm. base price. Mm -hmm. So, if, if I want something old fashioned, which the Gladiator, I think, is, is kind of proud of, the fact that it is, mm -hmm. it speaks to kind of a retro vibe. If I want something old fashioned, I'm going to go down to my Nissan dealer and spec a Frontier the way yep. and save probably $15,000. Exactly. Apple's its base price is 20000 Right. Right. So. And that's the, you know, you can do that same thing with some of the, the domestics, too. Mm -hmm. You can get the Canyon or get the... Um, Ranger. Chevy's yep. Colorado. For, you know, low 20s. Low 20s. Right. Right. Ranger might be creeping up, but, you know, that's also brand new. Right. right. That actually, I haven't driven a Ranger. Certainly looks great. Good to have the nameplate. It, it's big enough that if you were driving an F-Series 20 years ago, you will not feel as if you've gone down in size. Well, that's the point. The, the whole, I mean, all cars are bigger. Right. <laughs> all vehicles are bigger anyway. But these mid-size trucks really are. Fully mid-size. Well, yeah. yeah. Full mid-size. <laughs> and, and that's another reason, frankly, that I like the Frontier. It sits, by virtue of the fact that it came out in 05, it sits on a footprint that was more the norm 15 years ago than it is today. Mm -hmm. So it's greenhouse. It's tumble home. All of it's very vertical, very yep. expansive, and uh, I, I find that attractive. And you won't get that generation. Interesting in the midsize trucks, they you know most of them, most of them except some of the ones that aren't accepted, like the Ridgeline, have four cylinder engines. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So for even though they're hefty, they've got these kind of small but powerful four cylinder engines. Although I turbo think, fours, right? Uh, the uh, Tacoma, I think has dropped their four-cylinder as of 2020. Uh, they had a 2.7-liter four. And oh, I so this coming model year, they're I, dropping I think it. That was... Uh, they're just going to have the your three, five, six. Okay. That's correct. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that historically, that has been the case. And um, again, for those of us that don't need to get to 60 in three seconds, uh, to my way of thinking, that's a viable option, just in terms of its simplicity. But that's where like something like, you know, the more... 
one of the Japanese entrances, the Ridgeline from Honda, mm-hmm. and it makes car and drivers, you know, 10 best truck lists for mm-hmm. three, four years running. But it always gets slammed that, you know, it's, it's not really a truck. But that's one of the few that doesn't have a four cylinder, actually has a beefier, more powerful right. um, V6. To Sits on a unibody platform. Yeah. Has yeah. that trunk cap beneath the low floor. So, a lot going for it. So, Dave, just coming back to the idea of, you know, the experience of going to someplace, it sounds like the state for Texas would be a great place for consumers to see cars and get other experiences as well, instead of the traditional auto show where, as we were started off this discussion, people aren't, less people are going to. Right, right. Well, so. the, the state fair is an experience. I mean, yeah. if you're going to spend a day, you know, kick, kick tires for a couple of hours and then take in all that is around it, uh, including a corny dog, which has become iconic, mm-hmm. uh, Big mm-hmm. Tex himself. Right. Which is, I've I think, only seen pictures of that in my life. And he's overhyped. Like, but uh, that and a, a Shiner Bear. Pony Dog and a Shiner Bear are uh, really, that should be the food pyramid at the State Fair. Well, yeah, the food pyramid there. Then you can take an hour drive and go to Waco and you can see the whole Gaines Empire that's there. That's right. So, that's I mean, right. Yeah. There's quite a bit going on. Sure, there is. Yeah. So if, if you're in North Texas between September 27th. All right, I'm, I'm booking my ticket. I and October my ticket 20th, books. the State Fair is there. Awesome. And I think it's worth mentioning, Kevin, if people would want more of my perspective, I'm at texasgarage.com. That's txgarage.com online with a, typically a review or some perspective once, twice a week. And I'm Kevin uh, with my partner, Andres Valbuenas, available at carred.com, car-ed.com. You can find the car that best matches to you using our simple quiz there, funny quick quiz. Good stuff. I'll go myself. Shut up and drive. Oh.